So you know that popular internet saying, like, tell me your blank without telling me your blank? Old people up there, maybe you don't know, let me tell you because I'm young and cool. It's like a big TikTok thing or a meme. Tell me your blank without telling me your blank. I feel like my life has been like a living, breathing TikTok of tell me you have a kid without telling me you have a kid. And just a few examples. So first of all, you know at the end of the year for you Spotify users, how they do that recap for you? And it's like so fun. It's like this song you listen to the most, this genre, this was the new artist that you checked out this year. Way to go. You got educated through this podcast. I love that thing because I'm, a, I, I'm always listening to stuff and like kind of consuming content, especially in the car and podcasts and this kind of stuff. And I was very disappointed with what I got this year because it did not excite me at all. It was all of this that you'll see on the screen. This is all the stuff that came out and I shut the thing down. I was like, I don't want to see this anymore. This was a top songs playlist, podcast, blah, blah, like, way to go. You listened to Elmo 5,000 times this year. Another thing, before I became a dad, I was so excited for whenever a package came to the door. I always loved, I always loved like real mail, like snail mail. And then when packages come, it's even better. And I knew what I ordered, what day would be there. And I would just excitedly wait for the package like a little kid. And so Inji and I would be on the couch, like a common scenario. She, you know, you'd hear the, the Amazon door like, and then the plop on the porch. And like, ooh, it's a package. She's like, oh, did you order something? Yeah, yeah. And I would be able to tell her exactly what it was. Oh, that, that's my new iPhone case. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, I ordered some fishing lures and like whatever. And I would run to the door, rip it open like Christmas. And like, yay. Today, packages roll up and, she, you know, we're on the couch. She's like, oh, did you order something? I'm like, I don't know. Like, oh, what is that? I don't know, it's probably something for Judah. And then I'll just leave it out there. And it's just, oh, it's raining, it's snowing, you should go get it. Ah, it'll be fine. Because 99% of the time, it's like butthole cream or like diapers or snot, like sucker holder. I'm like, ah, I don't really care. It's lame. Last example, just one more. I could keep going. But last one. In the past, before we had a kid, on my laptop, if you were to see my laptop and the tabs open, it would be like, a video of like stand-up comedy that I really like. There'd definitely be Apple TV would be open with an episode of The Office. Maybe you'd see a YouTube video on like how to tie this specific fishing knot or something. Today, it's just Google, and it's like, what temperature and humidity should a nursery be? When should you bring your child to their first dentist appointment? Is fluoride safe to swallow, even if it's in pea-sized amounts? What car seat is approved for air travel? I'm like, I hate myself. What happened? So tell me you're a dad without telling me you're a dad. If you observed me and you were a fly on my wall, you'd be able to see pretty clearly who's ruling my life and who's the boss in the current season. What is it for you today? If I were, were the fly on your wall and just watching you, what would I conclude just from observing you about what's your you know, greatest driving force in life, what moves you to do what you do, what occupies not just your time, because it's probably just work and school, that's automatic, but, but your, your, your thought process and, and the effort that you put into, into your work and school. What would I notice about what's influencing you the most? Or maybe not what, or who is influencing you the most? And not all of that is visible, right? Obviously, if I just watch you Get in your car, go to your commute, grab your coffee and go to work. And be like, oh, work runs your life. Well, not necessarily. What about if it weren't just the visible stuff? What if I interviewed you and asked you, 
hey, or just sat with coffee with you, like, what's the driving force? Like, why are you putting so much effort into this and that and not doing these things, saying yes to these and no? What's driving you today? See, all of us, this is a universal thing for humanity, we have something within or outside, either or or both, of ourselves that is a major stakeholder in what we are living for, who we are living for. And today I want to do that short reflection on reflecting on who or what is ruling our lives. As Christians, we like to say that it's God, right? That we identify ourselves. We have a lot of identifying words. We say we're believers. But other words that we use really intentionally, these two special words, is disciples. We say often, like, oh, I'm a disciple. And and we also use the word follower. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And that self, these self-identifying markers, they should root us to really important questions that we ask. Like, am I being discipled by Jesus? If I call myself that, am I his disciple? And if I'm a, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, well, what's the question? It's, are you following Jesus Christ with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and strength? Is Jesus truly the ruler of your life? And today... That's what the message will revolve around, this important question of are we really following him and how do we do that? So we're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 11. And this is the classic passage that happens on Palm Sunday, which is why we're reading it today. So this is the Sunday, the first day of the week of Holy Week, only the original one. Jesus enters into Jerusalem with his disciples That only a few days later, it will be Good Friday, he will die. And one week exactly later, when he will rise again on resurrection on Easter Sunday. And everything in between is is what we know most about his life. He lived probably over 30 years. But we know most, the most we know about is this specific week. What's about to happen after the passage that we read today. And that's what we've been preaching on this whole series is what's happened in that week. So we'll read what happened on the original Palm Sunday, the beginning. Starting from verse 1. As they, this is Jesus and his disciples, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt there, tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this, say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. So they went and found a colt outside in the street tied at a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus and his disciples have finally, through uh, all their long journey, have made it to Jerusalem. And as I said, this is the the time of his life that we know the most, the beginning of, of Holy Week. And the big point that I want to focus on that we can gain from reading this passage of the original Palm Sunday. It's just one thing, and it's super simple. It's just Jesus is king. That's it. That's the message. What we see that's happening here in this scenario of his entrance into Jerusalem on the original Palm Sunday is simply Jesus is king. 
He's the king over the universe. He's the king over the world. He's the king of the church and the people of God. He's the king of every disciple and follower. He's the king of my life. I hope yours. And so how do we come to this conclusion? How do I see that? Well, three really quick details. First is he enters into the holy city on an unridden colt. It's probably, colt can, you know, interchangeably use for like the young of a horse or donkey. It's very likely a donkey here. But he rides a young, unridden donkey into the city. In verse 2, Jesus says it very specifically. Go get the one that has never been ridden. And so donkeys or colts that were never ridden were reserved for sacred royalty. So the king's beast, the king's thing that he would ride, was always one that no one had ever ridden before. It would be reserved alone for this royal person. And so this is a sign that tells us Jesus is king. He comes in in an unridden colt. Another reason that we see that Jesus is king here is that um, in verse 8, while he's coming in on the unridden, reserved donkey, in verse 8 it says this, Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. So these actions of kind of preparing, it's like the red carpet for this person to come, of putting their cloaks and, and branches down in the fields or on the, on the, that they cut from the fields on the ground before it, they display a ceremonious welcome of the king. It's like confetti throwing it. Or today, like, I don't know, like, what would you, yeah, red carpet, I guess, is the only example I can think of off the top of my head. People don't just do this for someone that they're fond about. It's not just, oh, well, Jesus was a prophet. No, no, no. This was a custom, customary thing of putting their cloaks and branches, celebrate, celebratory actions, welcoming and embracing the coming of the king. Lastly, the shouting of the crowds. What do they say? Mark writes, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom. Kingdom. Kingdom, right? Key language. Of our father, David. King David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna literally means save us. And the word was commonly used as praise. And so they could have been doing this interchangeable thing of some of them literally saying, King, come save us from our oppressors, Rome. They've been, you know, just, just wrecking our lives. Save us from that. Push out Caesar. Take your throne. They could be saying that. Or they could just be using it as like an exclamation commonly an exclaim of praise that you would give to a royal figure. So in simple summary, Jesus rides an unridden donkey, people spread cloaks on the road and make a pathway for him, and they shout Hosanna. Three things of a combination make the recipe that tell us this whole story that we just read. It's a big ceremony. Celebratory welcome of the entrance of the king into the holy city, Jerusalem. And that's who Jesus is. He's the king. And I think for those of us who are church, we know that. We've heard it. We sing that. Lord of lords, king of kings. But oftentimes in the day-to-day, I feel like we, in the long journey of faith, I think a lot of us revert or fall into seeing Jesus in a number of other ways, I guess depending on just what season we're at at the moment. There are plenty of distorted versions of Jesus, not King Jesus, that we kind of fall into starting to follow. So here are some that you may resonate, and I'm just making up these terms. Many of us sometimes follow into following not King Jesus, but therapist Jesus. He's really good at helping and guiding and counseling. Maybe, maybe someone you reach out to when you just need a little bit of help or guidance to feel better or wisdom. But he's someone you just see 
on occasion. Maybe every Sunday is the appointment with him or the occasional small group. But he's also someone that you don't need necessarily all the time. Maybe in certain seasons that are worse than the better ones. Maybe he's someone that you cancel on frequently. Or maybe someone you avoid because it's just not worth the effort to drive all the way there. He's just kind of on hold when you need a little bit of help. Some of us follow Santa Claus Jesus. He's someone that you expect good things from, gifts, blessing. And when your life isn't like Christmas where, oh, all the, everything worked out for you, you get mad. And so you either question his goodness or whether he's real. And if you get a lump of coal, it's like, why, you know, we get so angry. Like, it's all your fault, Santa Jesus. There's celebrity Jesus. He's someone that you admire, you're drawn to. He looks nice. Oh, yeah, I like his work. You know that thing, that movie that I saw about and he was in? That was great. Yeah, I like him. But he's not in your life. He's a celebrity. He's at a distance. Someone you admire from afar. Someone who doesn't really have any effect on your day-to-day or the way that you see the world. You're just, it's, it's not necessarily like lord, kingship or lordship. It's fandom. You appreciate him. And one more, Darth Vader Jesus is my favorite one. He's the one where you know who's in charge. When, you, when he enters the room, you, you stiffen up. You're afraid that you might say something wrong. He'll stare at you and choke you to death. You're afraid to make mistakes. You don't want him to know what, where, what ways that you, you messed up. Like sin is something that is always kind of gives you the sense of fear. So you, you're following him more so out of a sense of making sure you don't mess up. And he finds out as opposed to... He's an authoritative figure that actually loves you. So maybe, maybe all of us fall into all of these versions or a di- completely different one. But again, back to the original question. Are we following one of these versions? Or are we following King Jesus? So what do I even mean when I say that? I feel like we, he has so many names, right? He's the Prince of Peace. He's... You know, Lion of Judah, he's King Jesus, he's Messiah. You know, there's so many names that we, I think as churched people, for those of you who are, we just kind of forget. Like, it's just like, it's just a title. But do you ever stop to think that when we say King Jesus, it's referring to his political title? The title of king, to call him king, infers that we're in a monarchy, that there's a system. And I think sometimes that's weird for us to acknowledge as as Americans, for those of you who are, because we're bred to believe that democracy is the only good type of government in the world and all else are dumb. So I don't want to get into like this world history or like poli-sci lecture. That's not what's happening here. But in my opinion, and we'll try this together, if you were to disconnect like examples or what you know about certain countries that have certain forms of government, If you only read it on paper, a description, I think all of them, maybe not all, a lot of them would make sense. Like, oh, yeah, I can see that working. So just in a vacuum, disconnect from like, oh, but that country is that, and they're dumb. Like, none of this. So let's just think about a few of them. So let's say socialism. The the tenet of socialism is cooperation over competition. Cooperation over competition. Sounds friendly, right? That sounds nice. I I could be down with that. And it says that citizens have communal ownership of goods and services. That sounds pretty nice, too. On paper, in a vacuum. Democracy. Leadership chosen by the people through voting. That sounds nice. Everybody gets a vote, and then whoever the majority votes for is the one in charge. Yeah, that makes sense. Communism. 
By the way, this is all in a vacuum, okay? I don't want to get some emails. You damn call me. Like, don't email me, okay? I'm just saying, okay? Public ownership of goods and services distributed based upon need. Yeah, in a vacuum, okay? It sounds nice. Based upon need. Sure, sure, sure. Cool, 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 cool. Monarchy. Head of state for life based on family lines where a successor is like kind of groomed. They're like, oh, okay. It's, it's like a, not a fresh person who doesn't know what they're doing, but they're groomed. Okay, that, yeah, that's, that sounds okay. In my opinion, on paper, maybe you think I'm an idiot. I don't know. I think on paper, in a vacuum, all of them sound like they have their merit. In my opinion, why things have gone terribly in world history that makes us hate these things, the issue wasn't the form and the structure. We love blaming the structure, especially as Americans are like, democracy only. The issue is the people. There's a reason why you never find a perfect country in the whole wide world, regardless of its governmental system. It's not that they chose the wrong method necessarily. It's that human beings are in charge of it. So for those of us who love democracy, by the way, I do, would just three, four, five decades ago, if you spoke to a black American, would they have loved democracy? Oh, yeah, of course, it's always fair. You always have a vote and can speak up and you can choose the right. They are all broken. It's not necessarily the structure. The issue is that those who end up being in power are sinful and so things get distorted along the way. The human heart is the problem. And that's why we don't like, you know, we point fingers at the structure. But I don't think that's the problem. So if you agree with me, with that in mind, what about monarchies? Would that ever be okay? I think a lot of us would instinctively say no because we've seen through history terrible kings and queens, ruthless evil, conniving. But what if there was a king who was sinless, who was perfect, who never ever made a mistake, who through and through defined goodness, who never had to compromise, who was able to actually please everyone. You know how leaders are like, well, you can't please everyone. What if like, there was a king that actually could do that? What if there was a king who was all wise and all knowing, so always made the right decision, and it was always based on the goodness of the people in that kingdom? What if the king was uh, selfless, was immune to the devices of pride and selfishness, greed, narcissism, power hungry? What if this king could never be corrupted, bribed, or taken advantage of? And what if some of the king's most predominant characteristics and traits that his leadership was known for was humility, graciousness, and unconditional love? What if the king cared so much about his citizens that he would be willing to give up his stature as the king and become the lowest person in the community? What if the king loved to the point of self-sacrifice, to the point of suffering and death? If we truly saw Jesus for who he was, what it meant for us to call him King Jesus, what his kingship means to us, we wouldn't need or want any other version of him. And we would embrace and joyfully want his rule, his lordship over our lives. If we saw him clearly for who he is and not just think of what we think of him, or it's not just what we think of him, we would never care for anything else. 
or any distorted version because he's too good to be true as he already is. We wouldn't need therapy Jesus who just gives us advice here and there. Because King Jesus is way more than that. He's absolutely invested and involved in your every waking moment of your life. Not just when you schedule an appointment with him. So even when you cancel on him, even when you're the one that never is always a no-show, he's still pursuing you. He breaks professional boundaries in that regard. He thinks about you too much. He doesn't just speak words into your experience either. He chooses to go out of his way to experience exactly what you do. So he chooses to be in your shoes, to know what it feels like to be hungry and thirsty and poor and in pain, anxious, to weep and cry with emotional heartbreak, to be afraid and angry. He loves you enough to experience everything that you will go through and then to be able to empathize with you and at the same time guide you. We wouldn't need a Santa Jesus because we wouldn't make these demands of what he ought to give us. We would trust that he knows better than me. One day, I think, I hope not, but I'm pretty sure, Judah's going to be like, I want to eat ice cream for dinner. And no, he's going to throw his plate of broccoli across the room. And I'm going to say, Judah, no. And he's going to be like, I hate you. And he's going to run away. And I will say no because I know what's best for him. That if you just eat ice cream all day, you're going to hurt yourself. That me preventing you from what you think you want in the moment is actually because I love you, not because I'm trying to rule and domineer over you. We We wouldn't want Santa Jesus. If he provides something for us, even that's not what we expected, or something that's difficult, if we saw him for who he is and trusted him, we would be grateful and be like, This is difficult for me. I wanted something else, but I trust you. We wouldn't need celebrity Jesus who we admire from afar. Because he's the famous one who doesn't just, oh, yeah, like give you the, you know, like, oh, take a picture, but leave me alone. He's the one who goes after you as if you're the celebrity. Because he wants to know everything about your life and you through and through. You would never need to work hard to measure up to get his time or attention or stand in line in the cold for the opening of the show or whatever. He's waiting for you. And we certainly don't follow Darth Vader, Jesus. We live in fear around like, whether you know, we're making mistakes, that he's going to punish you and smite you because you're imperfect. He died because of your imperfections. He gives you the grace and freedom to be human, to be flawed, and then to help you to grow along the way. He's far more than a rule maker. He institutes law not for your oppression but for your joy. See, this Palm Sunday, I believe the Spirit wants to invite all of us and urge us to come in love and to join the celebration that the original people had. To take off our cloaks and to cut branches from the fields, to lay them before him and say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one, the the heir of the King David welcoming Jesus into your life, not just as a therapist or as a rule maker or as the one who gives you nice things on occasion, but the king, the ruler. For you to be like, I don't want control over my life. I make too many mistakes. I think I know what I want, but it usually doesn't always go well. Just you make the decisions. And that out of joy as opposed to coercion. We don't like the word monarchy because human monarchs suck. But what if I would propose monarchy is the best possible thing when Jesus is in the seat, when he's in the throne? 
And the thing is, this welcoming of the kingdom that we can have in our lives, we have access to that because of this week. Because Jesus did go to Jerusalem in obedience to the Father, even though he knew it meant his impending suffering and death. Because Jesus did still go to the cross, even though he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, God, can there please be a different way? And because he rose in victory from the grave on that Sunday. You and I have access to that. To live a life where the perfect king leads you into a life of true flourishing and joy, satisfaction and meaning. And for those of you who are here and you've never crossed that line of faith, you're like, maybe, maybe you do admire, like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, some of those things make sense. But I, you've never invited him to just be the ruler of your life. I hope this Holy Week can be really impactful in showing you what that invitation really means as we see Jesus for who he truly is. Not what all these people mess up and represent him poorly. Christians, pastors, dedicated people who misrepresent him all the time. But for you to see him truly as he is. And for those of you who already are believers, maybe you're not living your life to the fullest or experiencing that. You feel like you're more limping in your faith than anything. Is there an area of your life that you're withholding, kind of keeping back? Like, Jesus, okay, like you can be the governor of this part, and yeah, you're like the mayor of my Sunday mornings. And the, but what might you be withholding his kingship over? Is Jesus the king of your finances, your money, or your pursuit of it? Because let me tell you, he's not the military dictator who will conquer and coerce you into taxing you. Making you struggle till your ends meet. Give me all your money. He's the king who provided for you. He's giving this to you. And just inviting you to steward what he gives for the blessing of the world. Is Jesus the king of your work and your studies? He's not the insecure, you know, you know dictator or tyrant who just wants you to do everything that he wants and... No, he's the one who gave you the opportunities, the gifts and the abilities, the intelligence and skills, opening up roads and opportunity for you, giving you freedom, wanting to help you navigate that freedom. Is Jesus the king of your relationships? He's not a narcissist boss who needs everything to be about him. He's the heavenly father. He's the brother. He's the friend he, who loves marriage and family and children, who's a best friend who wants us to resemble him in our relationships through our being gentle and humble, forgiving and loving to each other, like the way that he was to us first. Those are just the big categories. But what are you like afraid of giving him the kingship to in your life? What do you need to surrender to him? Is it your passions, your goals, your time, leisure, dreams, energy? What, 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 it, what might it be? I think if we look at the real or the original Holy Week, we're able to see in our hearts, why wouldn't, I would be crazy to not let go of this. We would beg him to have more say, to have more of him inside of our lives, as opposed to withholding that for ourselves. So are you following him? It will be for your greatest joy. So this Holy Week, I want to invite you to reaffirm that following, that discipleship. 
Jesus being the king of your life.